Hello, everyone. You're listening to the DSG Connect podcast. As one of the world's leading dental laboratory networks, we value connection. And in alignment with that value, the DSG Connect podcast is here to serve you. Our goal is to elevate voices in dentistry. You know the ones, world changers, innovators, disruptors, true leaders, the people making a difference and bringing world-class solutions to our industry and communities. Our guests will educate, inspire, and share what is working, how to pivot when things go sideways, and everything in between. Wherever you find yourself listening, thank you. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on DSG Connect. I am excited to share with you, we're going to be doing a collection of talks with Dr. Patrick Lillis and some of his friends talking about real world dentistry. So let me share a little bit about Dr. Lillis with you and Dr. Robert Marges. Dr. Patrick Lillis graduated from Crichton University School of Dentistry in Omaha, Nebraska with his Doctor of Dental Surgery degree. Upon completion of dental school, Dr. Lillis did a two-year advanced education in general dentistry residency program at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Dentistry in Kansas City, Missouri. His training has provided him a unique opportunity to focus on and treat extremely difficult dental complexities. He's had the opportunity to work under some of the foremost leaders in implant and cosmetic dentistry in the Midwest. In addition to running his practice, Dr. Lillis holds a distinction of being a keynote speaker for several dental manufacturers and lecturing nationally at numerous study clubs and larger peer-reviewed dental meetings nationwide. Dr. Robert Marges graduated from the University of Iowa College of Dentistry in 1986, and since then he has been in private practice in Des Moines, Iowa. He focuses on comprehensive restorative and implant dentistry. Currently, he is an adjunct professor in the Department of Operative Dentistry at the University of Iowa, the editor-in-chief of Inside Dentistry on the editorial board of Compendium, and is a contributing editor to Oral Health in Canada. In addition, he enjoys being involved in many prestigious industry associations. Dr. Marges has written numerous articles on aesthetic and implant dentistry and lectures and presents hands-on courses nationally and internationally on those subjects. I'm excited to kick off this collection of talks with Dr. Lillis and Dr. Marges. Let's listen in. Thank you for joining us on DSG Connect. Today, we have the honor of having Dr. Patrick Lillis and Dr. Marges with us. Introducing and kicking off our series, Dr. Lillis and Friends is going to be our very own CEO, Lou Azara. Well, thank you, Heidi, and uh, good day, everybody. It's so exciting. I mean, I love being able to share exciting news and great content, but this is a very personal and special privilege for me. Dr. Lillis kicking off our series of, of Dr. Lillis and Friends. Uh, and, and really, uh, a couple of years ago, when we got a chance to meet face-to-face, there's people that inspire you, and then there's people that just lived inspired in the way they approach their profession. Uh, and if you want to go to a dentist that cares, and I know we all do, and, and really treasure that feeling, there is a deep, deep connection with moving dentistry forward. You know, in his own practice, in his own way with him, uh, I felt influenced and inspired. Our team continues to reach out to him because of that that feeling. Kicking off with Dr. Martins can't get better than this and really uh, excited to for Dr. Lewis to introduce that. Uh, and real world dentistry is better dentistry. 
real world, we have the ability to influence and impact people in a significant way. And if we as we come out of COVID, there's one thing that we've taken away, many things that we've taken away, but one thing uh, specifically is that preventative health care is a, a, a necessary uh, a necessary step for each and every one of us. And there's no better preventive health care than dental health care. Dental health care uh, has its place in overall health care and, and it's certainly a significant place uh, as we've seen honored to be led by such world-class leaders that are thoughtful at the top of their game every single day and always progressing to get to that next step. So Dr. Lillis, Dr. Morgis, thank you. We're honored and can't wait to be able to share this with our community that we serve and so many others. Hey, thanks for having us, Heidi. Appreciate it. We're, we're honored to be here. And, and, and Lou, thank you for the kind words, but now I'm set up for immediate failure. So thank you anyways for those kind words. Bob, it's good to see you. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much. It's always good to see you, Pat. We talk frequently, but it's nice to see your face. Likewise. I'm looking forward to today. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is. DSG Connect, connecting friends. I love it. Can you tell us how uh, you met? Bob, you want to go? Go first. I'll go first, yes. You know, if it wasn't for Pat's dad, I probably wouldn't be in practice in my new office. Because many years ago, I purchased a property that his father had gotten it zoned as far as commercial goes, but there were restrictions on the rest of the property. Well, I ended up buying this property and unbeknownst to me that these restrictions were on the property that when I built my building, it came down to the neighbor to the north of me said, you know, you violated conditions on your property. And I said, well, that's news to me. I didn't, I did not know that. And I said, what's the deal? He says, well, there are five restrictions on the property. Well, I ended up having to hire Pat's dad, who was the number one real estate attorney in Des Moines, who had written the restrictions on the property that I had to hire him to get restrictions <laughs> off. And it, it was unbelievable. But that wasn't how Pat and I met. His dad was always a friend. And Pat's grandfather was a dentist. Dr. Porto, who was an unbelievable dentist. I, in fact, I still see his gold work from 50 years ago that is every bit as good as it was before. And I oh. knew that he had a grandson that was going into dental school. Well, before I even talked to Pat about dentistry, I was talking to his mom and dad. And every time I saw him out, I go, hey, how's Pat doing? How's Pat doing? And he was going <laughs> to UMKC and he was telling me all about his stuff that he was doing with implants. And so that's how we connected. But unbeknownst to me, too, I was out lecturing in Napa Valley at the same time and the same meeting that Pat was lecturing at. We got to meet face to face at that time. But hey, Pat, do you remember it any different than that? No, I think I think you nailed it, Bob. I mean, yeah, I show up to uh, I show up to Napa Valley. Well, let me rewind a little bit. So during that property uh, issue, my dad kept calling me. He's like, Pat, you got to talk to, you got to talk to this guy, Dr. Margis. He goes, cause he's got it all figured out. So whatever he's doing, you got to do the same thing. I said, okay, well, so give me his number. So I called Bob early on when I was a resident at UMKC and he was like, so that's where we kind of first connected. But then yeah, fast forward a couple of years later, Bob and I got uh, talked into doing this lecture out in Napa Valley, which is, you know, hard to do because why not? Right. <laughs> so I I'm setting up my stuff ready to go for the lecture and in walks Bob. And, and so it was, uh, that's kind of where everything I think started. And so it's been ever since. So it's been, it's been a, 
a truly a, a, a blessing and an honor. And it's been a lot of fun. So, oh, well, listen, he makes it sound like that I'm his mentor, but hell, I've learned a lot from him over the years too. You listen, you're never too old to learn. Number one, and there's always somebody that's doing stuff either better or different than you. And what he's been doing with his implant and his prosthetics is is unbelievable. So I feel like it's a mutual respect. That's great. For somebody who's looking for a mentor, how does that kind of work? I want to say this. So, so when I saw his lecture in Napa, I started thinking, wow, he's doing some things that I'm not doing. He was doing a lot of all on X implants and full mouth reconstructions with implants. So I started following what he was doing. We could discuss, you know, his cases. And after that, we started talking about, you know, business and, and it's, and the importance of business and having, you know, really good, processes in, 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 in the office because you could produce a lot and, and you could make no money because you're not, you know, really disciplined or smart. And so we talk a lot about finances and, and things like that too, but that's basically how we started. Yeah. And it, you know, Bob, when we were talking about that at the time, that was like, man, if you talked about business and dentistry, when we were doing it 15 plus years ago, that was like, nobody did that because it was shady, right? I mean, dentists were, were, you know, it was shady to talk about business and profitability and numbers and all that kind of stuff. And we just kind of just did it. And I, I couldn't disagree more. I think you need to do that because it's, it's what we all do. So we might as well just start talking about it so that we can all get better. There's nothing wrong with doing that. So yeah, that's, I think that's important. We can elaborate it as we go along about that. I can tell you this. When you start out, you get very little business in dental school. I was fortunate before I bought my own practice that I practiced with dentists who were highly productive. And so as a young dentist, if you go out on your own and you don't really know what everybody else is doing because dentists are secretive, Pat and I have an open book. We talk about the numbers, this and that, because it only makes you better. It's not like you have production goals. You may have a goal in your head but you only do what can come in your office. So when I saw a dentist back in the eighties doing over a million dollars a year, when that wasn't really common, I thought, wow, if he can do it, I can do it because if it's been done, it can be done. And so that's why I feel like finding a mentor, or if you're only on your own and you don't know what everybody else is doing, you might think you're doing good until you start seeing what everybody else, not comparing myself to anybody else, but understanding what's possible. I agree. Wholeheartedly agree. I'd love to hear about what everyday dentistry is looking like nowadays in your practices. Uh, Heidi, I worked this morning, so I can tell you, like, I'm fresh mm -hmm. off the office, so I can pretty much tell you what I did this <clears> morning. <throat> you know, there's pre and post COVID. We're starting to kind of claw our way back now, I would say. You know, we had a huge boom right after COVID happened, where it was just a, like a lot of pent up dentistry that we didn't do for six to seven weeks. And then as the fall kind of rolled around, we went down a little bit. And then now we're starting to kind of, you know, we're starting to kind of claw back our way up. But, you know, everyday dentistry, Bob and I's practices are actually pretty similar. I mean, you know, it's funny when you think of KOL speakers all over the places, they have these pie in the sky cases and everybody that comes through the door has got $75,000 and wants to do dentistry. I mean, I couldn't, that, that's not my practice. I mean, I practice in the middle of the country with normal people. And so we do single units, we do implants, we do composite work. And, and yeah, we do 
full mouth reconstructions. We do all on floor and we do a lot of those stuff, but that's not every day. I mean, every day is solving problems, it seems like. And so uh, we have conversations with patients that, you know, want to do a single tooth dentistry. We have some people that want to do a full mouth reconstruction. We have some, so it's just literally all over the place. And I think if you really were to go in people's practices, you know, big name people or whatever, you would see kind of similar things. It's just kind of normal practices. It's every day-to-day stuff. Yeah. At me, big meetings, big podium lectures, we show all of our good stuff and everything, but that's not what's profitable. I mean, I'm here to tell you, I'll be the first person to tell you, Bob will back me up on this. I'm sure of it. Doing 28 units of opening vertical dimension and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's fun, it's fun and we do it and it, it's a lot of fun dentistry, but that's not where the profit in the practice is. It's in that bread and butter segment of, of everything. So that's why I tell that I work with a lot of dentists that refer us cases. And when they bring these cases and it's 28 units opening vertical dimension, I think go for it. But this is going to be a lot of hard work and a lot of stress, just so you know. I mean, this is this is not going to be easy. And so, I mean, but that's day-to-day practice. That's what, so this morning, what did we do? We did six units in the anterior, two implants were, implants were in seven and eight, and we prepped six, 10 and 11, and we scanned it. We temporized it and she walked out the door. And then I had a couple uh, new patient exams and I worked half of the day and now I'm I'm off in the afternoon talking to you all. So that was our that was our morning. Typically, yesterday we did five. Uh, we did five crowns on five different patients. So that's I don't know. That's my day, but I don't know what Bob. I'm sure Bob's is about the same, but I don't know what he he could tell you. I only work now Tuesdays and Wednesdays because I travel up to Michigan. But I have something for Pat that I want to ask him. So Pat and I have talked when these dentists say, "Oh, I'm so busy. I saw 40 patients and I did this." And you know what? You ask Pat. You know. We have a saying that you're busy, but you're not productive. What do we call that, Pat? Barbershop dentistry. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Think about this. Barbershop dentistry. And and a barbershop dentistry would be this. Denture adjustment. White spot on the gum. Buckle pit. Sealants. You, You worked your ass off for no money. So when we have a barbershop day, this is no lie. I will text <laughs> Pat a barbershop poll spinning in the text message so he knows what my day is like. We got Rob Ritter on. We got John Cranham now spinning polls saying, hey, it's barbershop <laughs> dentistry. We all have it. I mean, so yeah, I mean, just a couple months ago, same thing. I, I, I took a picture and I sent it to Bob and it was just of a barber poll. Uh, no words, just yep. barber poll. And immediately it, it's Ritter and Bob and I, and we get immediate text back. I'm barbering today too. So funny. It, it's true though. It's that's the yep. truth. I mean, that is the truth. Absolutely. 100% denture adjustment, crown adjustment. I mean, Insert wants to crown. check you a spot. Oh, you name it. I mean, well, Pat said early on, we all do the 28 units and we do the all on fours. The most profitable thing I do in my practice would be like a posterior routine single implant or a, a posterior crown. Predictable. You don't have to worry as much about centric relation where you're building the bite. It's not that profitable doing full mouth reconstructions if you do them right. So what is your, what is your laboratory relationship look like? I, I'm going to tell you, Heidi, that's probably the most that's probably the most important thing in our, in our office next to my staff, honestly. I mean, 
I view the laboratory as a fundamental part of our team. The reason I say that is because I can cut the most beautiful preparations on the planet, right? I can do the whole nine yards. I can take the perfect bite relation. I can make beautiful temporaries. I can do all that. But if the lab botches it, I'm sunk. I'm sunk. To me, having a technician that you can go to every single time when you know what you're going to get back, you know it's going to drop in, it's going to fit, it's going to look good. That to me is probably one of the most important things of our day. It can make or break your dentistry, period, bar none. I'll tell you, when you can get on the same page as a laboratory technician for multiple years, magic happens. It really does. I mean, they know what you want and you know what they want. It becomes very predictable. And Bob can tell you this, predictability equals profitability. So if you don't mm -hmm. have to remake, remakes are killers. I mean, they're just absolute killers. Patient loses confidence. You've got to redo the case. I mean, it's an absolute killer. So the technician port, and I know that this is part of the thing in dentistry that's getting cut out, it seems like anymore, you know, we're always trying to, how can we get a cheaper lab bill and all this other kind of stuff? And we need to keep our overheads in tow, but that's probably like the last thing we should be cutting out. That's my opinion. I don't know what you think, Bob, but that's my, that's my two cents. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head and I've lectured and I've said to people, the dentist goes and shows these six single centrals right in a row that are all perfect. And you know what? They show how good they are. But let me tell you one thing. If you ask me, you want to have a great prep, but I would rather have an average prep and a world-class ceramist than a world-class prep and an average ceramist. You're only as good as your technician. That bothers me is after the lecture and the, and the lecturer doesn't say, hey, this was Aoshima in Japan. It, took, it was $1,500 or, or Michelle Manier for $1,500. The audience doesn't realize that that lab bill is even more expensive than what the dentist would even be able to charge. And so I think it's very important to be transparent, have a good relationship with the lab. And I have a number of labs I use. There's labs I use that when I do a Delta Dental Crown, I've got to use a laboratory that's a little bit more reasonable. And then I have my high-end aesthetic labs. I'm sure you do too, Pat. Yeah, I do. And I think that's important because basically you said it right. I mean, if it's going to cost me $1,500 to get a single unit done and I'm charging 1100 bucks, I mean, I like the patient and I like the procedure, but I'm not doing it. I mean, I don't know what you think, Bob, but I'm just not going to do it. So. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. So I think it's important as a lecturer where you could say, this lab bill was 150 for this veneer. This veneer was 450. This veneer was 700 because everybody's different. And if you're a ceramist, I think our ceramists, I feel sorry for them, honestly, because our fees continue to go up a little bit. And their fees, really, because of, of uh, technology, they're getting less a weird, you know, paradigm there. It is interesting, right? Things are, things are changing. I mean, how have you guys seen things change over the years? By the speed of sound, you know, I, I hearken back to when I was a resident. I mean, let's, let's look at tooth number 19, because to me, that's your bread and butter implant case, right? The anterior workflow is different in my, in my office than my posterior workflow. My posterior workflow is much, much simpler. So 19, when I was a resident, what I do? I took an impression cylinder, I screwed it in, I, I took an impression, 
uh, we had a UCLA custom abutment made, you know, which cost us an arm and a leg to do it. Or you had a stock abutment that you put a crown on the top of it. Usually you cemented it on. That's how we did it when we were in residency. Nowadays, I did one yesterday, right? Number 19 uh, came in It had a, a, or we put a scannable abutment on it. My assistant pre-scans it, upper and lower jaw. She's then all I do, I come in at the end when it's time, I unscrew the healing abutment. I put the scannable abutment. I scanned it. I put the healing abutment back on and I was out of there five minutes. And so it took five minutes of my time. Then when they come back in a couple of weeks, it's a screw retain restoration. We screw it into place. No adjustments. Contacts are usually spot on. The occlusion is spot on. And I cover the access hole and then I'm done. I'm talking probably like 15 minutes total chair time on a posterior implant crown. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when I see a posterior implant on my case, on my, on my uh, schedule, I'm very happy. And for me, dentists sometimes have a tendency to be a little bit cheap. And I don't know my schedule every week. So what I do, Pat, is I have literally three impression copings, three abutment, three lab analogs of every single size of Nobel and Stroma, whatever system I use, because sometimes that patient, the, the oral surgeon will call and say, hey, Pat Lillis is ready to have his implant restored. You know what I say? Send him over. I put him in another chair and I have the parts and pieces. <laughs> and I will tell you my Nobel rep, whenever he has dentists in Des Moines that are, don't have a piece, he always comes to my office and borrows my <laughs> stock. But in the end, it makes you more money because you have the stuff on hand. But you're right. Yeah. I think that's easy. We do the same thing. My oral surgeon, I, I'm kind of lucky that my oral surgeon's in my building. We do the same thing. They'll torque test the implant and we just send them, just send them up. Now they just send them. They don't even call anymore. And we'll have people just drop in and we're like, okay. hey, find it. We can always find a chair. <clears throat> I mean, just find a chair, put their rear end in it and scan. Right. And, and when we say that, it's just like, with at let's say it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I've had my assistant for 20 years. She's great. Here's how you become profitable in dentistry. At four o'clock, somebody comes in with a broken tooth. My assistant doesn't look cross-eyed at me like, are we going to prep it? We're prepping it. We're going to prep the tooth. We're not rescheduling a patient because that patient for the $1,300 that we got, that we're never going to have that hour again, paid for all the salaries that day. That goes to the bottom line. So you got to have good staff that you treat well, that doesn't look at you like, and looking at their watch, like, are we ready to go? No, we, we, we do the same thing. Great to have a great team, isn't it? Absolutely. Hi. So here's, you know, and, and I don't want to get off too much, but part of the, part of the team, if you have an assistant like Bob's had for 20 years, do you know why Bob's assistant's there for 20 years? Because he didn't pay him, you know, peanuts. He pays them well but he treats them well. My dad, back to my dad, my dad told me that eons ago. He said, listen, pay them. I don't care. Just pay them because it's worth every penny. You got somebody good, pay them. But also more so than paying them, Heidi, you got to treat them well. You got to treat them. Right. You got to treat them with respect. If they're talented, I always tell my staff all the time, listen, I'm going to get out of your way because who, why am I micromanaging them? They're very, I have four, uh, I have four women in my practice. They're all extremely talented. I just have to get out of their way most of the time. Yeah. And Pat, when we talk about our staff, I'm, I'm not offended if somebody tries to steal my staff 
I'm really not. All I say to my, my staff is I said, listen, you are a free agent. If you're not happy here, feel free to, to go look for other jobs. I want you to be happy, but at least give me an opportunity if it's a financial thing that I would like to give you more money if you have another opportunity or you feel like you're not happy here because it doesn't matter how much you pay them. If they're not happy, they're never going to be productive in your office. And as you said, tell my wife this, who's a dentist. I can't find people to do this. My assistant doesn't want, I said, listen, you pay them five or $10. Let's say you paid them $5 an hour more than anybody else in town. That's $40 a day. If you can't get an extra procedure out of that person, then there's a problem. It's going to make you money. I, I believe that as Pat does too. I'd like to ask both of you, what does excellence mean to you? Go ahead, Bob, you start. Yeah, let me tell you, to me, excellence is always telling the truth with your patients. And Pat and I have used this line. I've told Pat about this. Listen, I'm only a referee. I call it as I see it. It's your mouth, your time, your money. I said, you know, if you want to have this work done, this is what it's going to take. Not only excellence in margin preparation and aesthetics, but more importantly, how you talk to the patient and doing the right thing all the time. And if I have a new patient that comes into my office that has never seen me, they've been going to their dentist for 20 years, and all of a sudden they've got five areas of decay that they need crowns on. Heidi, if I said to you, wow, you have five teeth that need crowns, and you've been going to your dentist for 20 years, you're going to be like, whoa, what just happened here? My dentist never told me this. I would look at you, Heidi, and I'd say, Heidi, this may be kind of surprising to you as I look at your teeth. And I see the decay that you have. You have five areas that are going to need crowns. Unfortunately, you've been going for 20 years, but perhaps over the last several months, things have changed and and your diet has changed and you've got these cavities. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a free copy of your x-rays. Feel free to have a second opinion anywhere you want to go because you don't know me. You don't, I mean, you're thinking, wow, this guy's trying to make money off me. And I'm not, I am never offended when somebody wants a second opinion. Because if I'm telling the truth, why should it matter if they want another opinion? I had one the other day. A lady comes in, and I looked at her teeth. I said, wow, everything looks great. No problem. I went to the dentist and said, yeah, I had four cavities. Then I'm thinking, whoa, four cavities. better go look again. I looked and I said, listen, I have no – I said, you don't have any cavities. I put the cavo diagnodent on them, no cavities. And I said to her, I said, well, why, why did you come to me? She says, well, I've been going to the dentist for a long time. And this was the first time in like 15 years that somebody told me I had a cavity and I had four of them and I didn't trust that dentist. You probably did the right thing. We all want to do excellent work, but excellence to me is like always doing the right thing and you'll make money. You will make money by not even trying to make money. You know, Bob, hundred percent agree. You know, the worst thing anybody can say about you is that you're a liar, you know, I, th- I firmly believe that. And if they tell you you're a liar, that's a problem to me. So I think you just need to tell the truth. Yesterday, example, guy came in, crown to root ratio is terrible. I mean, the teeth are all bad shape. I mean, this is, a, this is an open and shut case. It, all the teeth need to come out. And his wife's talking to me about how she wants to save the teeth and do this and that. And I'm all for saving teeth. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to take the teeth out. That's like the last thing I want to do. So I told her, I said, listen, 
I, I stole this from Bob too. I said, listen, I'm going to give you a copy of your x-rays. You go, you can go see a good friend of mine. who's a prosthodontist in, in town. And I said, go see him, see what he thinks. See if he sees this any differently than I do. And if he sees it differently, then, then great. If he doesn't, then, then, you know, that two people are saying the same thing. I said, but listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. And it may be something that you don't want to hear. You know, you, you may not want to hear it and that's mm -hmm. okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I have zero issues if people want to get second opinions. In fact, sometimes I welcome it because I've had people come back over the years and said, yeah, you know, I went to go see Dr. So-and-so across down the street. He said the same thing you did. And I said, great. You know, now I got a patient that's all invested, is truly confident. And sometimes they need just a little cooling off period too. So I steal that every day in our practice. <laughs> I steal that line. Hey, listen, I'm just a referee. <laughs> I call them as I see them. So it's your money, your mouth, and your time. You do whatever you want. I said, yes. you know, worst case scenario, uh, this tooth may crack into the nerve chamber yep. and it may need a root canal. Okay. You're not going to die because you yes. have a root canal. You're not going to die because the tooth was extracted. You're just, you're good. It's just dentistry. You're going to be fine. You know, I mean, that's the beauty of our profession, right? I mean, I don't have to tell somebody they got a glioblastoma, right? I just got to tell them they need a root canal. I mean, yeah. I'm fine with that. So I, my staff, I tell you what, when I did this several years ago, I went to this approach like Bob, Bob's the one who got me onto this. <laughs> I went to this approach kind of like, I don't care if you do this or you yeah. don't, this is just yeah. the truth. People will say yes over and over again. They don't want hard pitch sales process. I'm just, I mean, that's just been in my office. We do that all the time. I don't care if you do this or you don't. I'm just telling you the truth. And it works beautifully. I, I second that. I like it, Pat. When I the patient, I had one yesterday, and I love it when I come in. I go, "You're not going to find anything, are you, Doc?" I say, "Well, I'm not sure, but if I find something, do you want me to tell you?" And then I shut up. It's just like, you know, if you don't want me to find something, I won't. But if I do, do you want me to tell you? Last year, Bob, I told we, I told you this. I walk in the room, right, Heidi? You'll get a kick out of this. I walk in the room. I no sooner hit the door, and she says. I bet you you're going to tell me I need $35,000 worth of dentistry, right? I haven't even met this patient yet, brand new patient. I said, I'm not going to tell you that at all. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, I haven't even looked in your mouth yet. And she goes, well, I just have a feeling you're going to say, and if, what if I don't want to do it? And I said, listen, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. It's just dentistry. You're not going to die because you didn't get the dentistry done. And immediately when I told her that, whole conversation changed, whole conversation changed. So I just told, I, I use that all the time. It, it's, it's Marcus's line. And I'll tell you when, what was Bob, you do the one that you stole from Ritter. I stole this. We stole, I stole this from Ritter. I changed one word just so that I can claim it as my own, but it's really not me, but I like to tweak him once in a while. When a patient comes in that wants you to do something that you don't want to do, you look at the patient, say, Heidi, just because you don't want to do the right thing doesn't mean I have to do the wrong thing. 150 dentists in Des Moines that may do what you want to do, it's just not going to be me. And I shut up. Heidi, young people that are listening to this, listen to what Bob just said, because I 100% agree. Don't do it. It's not worth it. it, it it'll come back to haunt you. It will uh, just keep you up at night and it'll get you in trouble. And just don't, just don't do it. You don't have to. Right. Another line is this. When you feel bad for people, bad stuff happens. 
when you feel like, oh, I'll just do this to help them out, and then when it fails, whose fault is it? Yours. And you yep. felt bad, and you're doing the right thing. Listen, quick story. My hygienist came to me and said, thank you so much for practicing the way you do and not making us try to sell dentistry. I said, well, well, why do you say that? She goes, well, the dentist we work, I work for on Friday, we had our staff meeting and she said, you know, Mrs. Such and Such is on the schedule today and she's been needing this three unit bridge for five years and, and she's never wanted to do it. Well, I just saw that her husband died and so she's probably got the money now to fix it. Now, who does that? Oh that is gosh. the wrong attitude. Ah. Horrible. That's just horrible. But it happens. It happens, it happens all the time. People yeah. are always thinking about the money, the money, money, production, production. I've never had a production goal in 35 years. If a practice management consultant came into my office and said, I'm doing everything wrong, but I think I'm doing everything right. <laughs> I, I've, had, I've had them tell me that for years, though, Bob, because I yes. only have three operatories and I work out of one. Heidi, I know. Three operatories, I work out of one. I work out of one. Yep. I work out of one. So, yeah. So yeah. They, they come in and they say, you're leaving money on the table, Pat. I said, what are you talking about? They said, well, you got to run two rooms. I'm like, if I run two rooms, I'm quitting dentistry, uh, period. I'm not doing it. And so they, I've been, I've been violating every rule for as long as, as can be remembered. I mean, Heidi, I think we were, we moved right along. It's not like, I mean, we've been, I've been doing this going on 17 years in private practice, 19, including residency. So it's not like, I mean, we move right along, but I can only do it so fast. I don't know what you think, Bob. I mean, I can only do it so quickly. Yeah, I work out of one operatory and I'm very productive out of that one. Listen, I don't know. I have a production goal in my head. God, I'd really like to do that this month, but I'm not sharing it with my staff and saying we need to do 100 or 200 or 250,000 because I don't know how many implants are walking in. I don't know how many broken teeth are walking in. So if you take the attitude, do what is necessary, it's going to come. You guys are such next level to me. I mean, seriously, just the way that you speak about dentistry, how you're restoring patients, how you're doing it in such an ethical, amazing, successful way. Thank you both so much for coming on and sharing. I'd love to check in with you and see if there's anything that we haven't touched on yet that you'd love to share. I can say one thing mm -hmm. for the young dentists who are listening, never take it personal when a patient says no. Because they have a reason for saying no. I used to, I, there were times I wouldn't want to um, present a treatment plan because I would assume the patient didn't have the money. Instead of having them tell me no, I just wouldn't bring it up. And when I'm in an operatory and somebody, I'm checking hygiene and I see a tooth sleuth on the tray, I know that that patient probably has a cracked tooth. And here's how the scenario goes. I pick up the tooth. I say, well, it appears like you may have a cracked tooth as I, as I look at what's on my um, cart, do you have a tooth that occasionally hurts when you bite on it? They go, yes. I put the tooth sleuth on it and they go, ow, that hurts. I would say, Pat, it appears that you have a cracked tooth. My suggestion is to put a crown on it. And they say, is that a cap? Yes, it's the same thing. I said, hopefully I put this crown on and I can prevent you from having any further damage or needing a root canal, but it's possible you may need a root canal still. But I would put the crown on first in the provisional stage. And if you have pain, you can elect to have a root canal done or, you know, this is going to solve your problem. And then they say, well, how much does that cost? 
I tell them how much it costs. I don't go, go talk to my treatment plan. I know what it is. I'll say it costs around $1,200. Insurance is going to pay 50%. You're going to owe me $600. They look at me and they go, well, it doesn't hurt that much. And I look at them and I say, great. Worst case scenario is the tooth could split. Nobody dies by losing a tooth. And you could have an implant placed. End of story. And I walk out of the operatory. You know, that's that's probably some of the best advice I've ever heard. And we we adopted it several years ago. You know what happened, Heidi? Our numbers went up. It's amazing. We, we didn't do any of this verbal skills, coaching, or any of that kind of stuff. We just did it that way. And, our, our, and our, our numbers immediately shot up. One thing I would add is this, and Bob, and Bob mentioned this to me too, and, and he's a big proponent of education. I think if I was a young dentist and I got, I was blessed to have had a two-year uh, AGD program with incredible mentors. If I didn't have had that, I would suggest to young dentists getting out of coming out of school to go get educated, go do John Coyce's program, spend the $50,000. You're already several hundred thousand dollars in debt. What's $50,000 more. And I guarantee you, and I, and, and I make zero guarantees That's my kids, but I guarantee you that will come back and could change the total trajectory of your career. I, I, mm. I firmly believe that because I see a lot of dentists that bring in cases to me and they say, what should I do? And I look at this case and I'm like, well, you know, if you're here talking to me, it's probably a full mouth reconstruction. And here's the steps to do step one, step two, step three, step four. You got to do your diagnostic mock-up. You got to try that into the mouth before you even start cutting teeth. You got to evaluate lip line. You got to evaluate aesthetics, phonetics, all that kind of stuff. And they look at me, they're like, I have no idea where I'm starting. I say, well, then don't do the case. Why would you put, why would you take that stress on? But if you're going to do those cases, then I think you got to get educated. I think you got to do a, a, a spear, pinky, coys, Dawson, whatever flavor. It could change the trajectory of your career, number one. And number two, what you'll find in those programs are guys like Bob, John Cranham, you name it. They're all faculty of those places. You can have incredible mentors and you can have a really beautiful career doing that. And it'd be the best money I think you can spend anywhere on the planet. Get educated, really, truly. I mean, take Bob's uh, compo- hands-on composite course, how to, how to close a diastema. I mean, get as many skills as you can because you can't have too many. And then second thing, I'm a gums up dentist. I, you know, when I lecture Bob, you've heard this before. I say, how many people are doing root canals? And people will raise their hands, right? And I say, great. How many people like doing root canals? And three-fourths of the hands go down. So then my next sentence is, well, why are you doing root canals? And they'll say, well, I got to make money. I said, I guarantee you, you'll make more money doing the stuff you love to do and refer that junk out of your practice. If you don't like doing them, don't do them. The last root canal I did was 21 years ago in the dental clinic at Creighton University. I just don't do them because I hate them. I can't stand them. And I'm not any good at them. That's the other thing in dentist. Admit what you're not good at. You can't be good at everything. So I refer that stuff out. Pediatric dentistry. I'm not any good at that. I get that out of there too. Perio surgery, implant surgery. I don't do any of that stuff. I just do a handful of things and try to do it really, really well. That's my, that's the, I, I say that all the time when I lecture. How many people are doing root canals? How many people like doing root canals? And all the hands go down. And I just say, don't do it. You know, do the stuff you love to do. Life's too short. That's my opinion. I don't know what you think, Bob. 
I agree. And, and, and I will say this, whenever you start thinking you're really good, my former partner, Polydorn took me in the basement and he goes, oh, yeah, I love story. he goes, look <laughs> at all these dead files here down here, man, look at all these dead files. I go, yeah. And he goes, do you think all those people are dead? He goes, no, they left <laughs> your practice because they may not have liked your cologne or you had this or you did that. He goes, you think you're good. People leave your practice for a number of reasons. I'm never offended if a patient leaves my practice, if it's because they can't afford me or it's financial or I'm not on their insurance. I take it personal if they leave me because they're not happy with the work that I did. That's the only time. And that's the only time you should take it personal. I not agree. everybody can afford it. And I agree. And, and Bob, I had this conversation with Brandon the other day. Bob's mutual friend of mine is a prosthodist here. Tough, nicest guy on the planet. Great dentist, Brandon James. I said, Brandon, when you start thinking you're God's gift to the handpiece, then you've got problems. Then that means you're not very good. That's my opinion. Absolutely. I know we don't have a lot of time, but what you said, Pat, about education, my first five years out of dental school, I had no money. I had a crappy car. I lived in an apartment. But I had 500 hours of CE. I learned from Bob Nixon, veneers back in 85. I learned composites from Buddy Mopper. I learned mm -hmm. implants from Jerry Nisnik. And I said to myself, at least if a patient comes into my office, I'm going to be able to do it versus not having the skill to do it. Spend the extra 50K like you said. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate it. If our listeners um, want to connect in any way with both of you, how do they do that? You guys, can, you can contact me. You can meet me at my email. So it's okay. Dr. Lillis, D-R-L-I-L-L-I-S at macmac.com. And my mobile number is 913-231-9422. You can call me, email me, text me, do whatever you want. I'm happy to help anybody out. Um, you know, mentorship has been such a big part of my life. And it's all, dentistry is all about relationships and sharing ideas. And so- um, I think if we can do that for each other and we can support each other, it makes our profession better versus the other way around. So you call me, email me, you can do whatever you want. I'm happy to help out in any way I can. Same here. Mine's R-C-M-A-R-G-E at AOL.com, R-C-Marge at AOL.com, 515-249-1184. Listen, we're here to help people. And let me tell you what, you can't do it all yourself. You can't do it alone. You need to have find people that, that can help you and, and that you want to be like, and you just do it. You don't have to compare yourself. I don't compare myself to anybody, and everybody's different because I'll tell you what, somebody's fees may be more than yours. Somebody's may be less. So when somebody says, I do $3 million, I do $5 million, I do one, it doesn't matter because every fee is different, and every part of the country is different. Don't get in a, a match of I'm producing this. The, the true test is do good dentistry and you'll be successful and you'll be able to sleep at night. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you. Heidi. Thank you for listening. We invite you to subscribe to DSG Connect on iTunes or Spotify. Take a minute to refer a friend or colleague and help us spotlight this podcast by leaving us a review. In between episodes, stay connected with us. Have a topic in mind? Send your suggestions to podcast at dentalservices.net. Also, did you know we have webinars? Check them out at dentalservices.net slash edu. We believe we're stronger together. Until next time, enjoy your day.